Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode four of the Ross Brown Show podcast. Uh, a slightly more regal introduction today, just because uh, I think it sounds contrived when you say stuff like, hey, everybody, so I'm still not still comfortable doing that. So I just said I'd give you a bit of a hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and please welcome your host for this evening, Mr. Ross Brown. Pip, pip, telly ho, golf clap, and all that sort of thing. Do you know what? This is going to be like the sorbet. This is going to be the palate cleanser. Because uh, the last two were very heavy on, on self-improvement and mental health and physical health and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, you know what, this, we're getting too fucking responsible. We're only, we're only three episodes in and the first two interviews is far too fucking responsible. So I went, you know what, this is going to be the sorbet episode. This is going to be your palate cleanser. Uh, do you know what really happened? What really happened was uh, I was scheduled to meet John Spillane 48 minutes ago to do uh, an interview podcast. And uh, I can't get in contact with him. And uh, I don't think he's after blowing me off because he texted me yesterday completely unsolicited and said, still okay for tomorrow at 7pm. And I was, yeah, great stuff, can't wait. So, uh, so I don't think he actually didn't want to do it unless he forgot today, in which case. But look, I'm sure John Spillane has a good reason. So this, I just decided, you know what? Well, if John Spillane can't do it, we might as well still record a podcast and just talk shit myself on my own. I'm I'm fucking wrecked this week. I have this complete low energy, but it's making me a little bit delirious at this stage now because I think whenever I get really, really tired, I get to a certain level of misery and then I start getting really fucking giddy and uh, everything suddenly becomes funny. I, re- I bug the shit out of my wife when I'm like this. She can't stand it. And she's always like, oh, you're in one of those fucking... You're in one of those fucking... My wife does this thing. That's not really what she sounds like. Um, what she does when she gets really angry is uh, her anger is transposed into her lips. All of her anger and rage whenever she's angry or annoyed. When it's true anger, if it's just a, a disgruntled annoyance, she's not too bad. But if I know I've really fucked up, when, when I know when she's really angry is when her lips go really thin. They like, they stretch out. And then because her lips are stretched out, she's, she's trying to raise her voice, but she's very... She like that. And she sounds like Dracula to me. And I can never take her seriously, which infuriates her even more. And her lips then go almost completely white with the stretching because they go so thin. And I don't know, is it a neck spasm she's doing this, making her lips go so thin? And then she's like, what are you fucking laughing at? I'm like, because you, <laughs> you sound like fucking Dracula. I do not, I do not sound like Count Dracula. <laughs> Yeah, I think what I should do some morning is uh, get up in the summer at about 20 to 6 when it's when dawn has broken and just open all the curtains as I'm leaving the room just to fucking make her infuriate her and slap my hand on the bed just to fucking wake her up with a fright because that will infuriate her so much. She'll be like, oh, what are you doing, my eyes? Yeah, my wife doesn't get angry that often with me. That's why it scares me so much. If she was always furious... I think I'd become desensitised to it. But it's the fact that it happens here and there is what makes me so fucking, so petrified when she does get uh, angry. I get, I get fearful when I know there's impending anger. Maybe it's because we're just men and men are, you know, we never grow up properly and we are afraid of a woman because we know that we're not allowed to hit them so if things do get out of hand, they're either going to kick the shit out of us while we stand there or we're going to have to run away, which is something that's a very hard decision for a man to make, to stand there and get battered or to run away. Because I think a lot of men would have a, a pride holding them back and saying, no, see, now that I've said I can't hit her, she now knows it's on public record that I can't hit her. She kicked the shit out of me. Um, I think, was it in, oh, i got to look this up now. In Russia, didn't they pass legislation last year that said you're, I know, Russian law hitting partner once a year. Here we go. Putin approves legal change that decriminalises some domestic violence. 
Critics say the amendment sends wrong message in country where it is estimated domestic abuse kills a woman every 40 minutes. Vladimir Putin has signed into law a controversial amendment that decriminalises some forms of domestic violence. The amendment, which sailed through both houses of Russian parliament before Tuesday's presidential signing, has elicited anger from critics who say it sends the wrong message in a country where, according to some estimates, one woman dies every 40 minutes, wow, from domestic abuse. It makes moderate violence within families an administrative rather than criminal offence. Fuck me. So the Russians are saying it's administrative. That's the same way you would define filing cabinets. So they're saying it's something that needs to be done just to keep everything in check. From now on, beatings of spouses or children that result in bruising or bleeding but not broken bones are punishable by 15 days in prison or a fine if they do not happen more than once a year. I knew this. Previously, they carried a maximum jail sentence of two years. So what it basically says is, as long as you don't break a bone, which is fucking hard to do, let me tell you, as as a person who wrestled for 15 years and did submission fighting for 15 years, it's very hard to, to break a bone. You'd have to put, do a lot of fucking damage. But anything less than that, Russia is saying, that's fine. Bruising or bleeding is fine. Once a year, there is no criminal punishment. And if you do it twice or more, it's 15 days in prison. So they're basically saying you can hit your partner, male or female, but I assume... Uh, there's more chance of a man hitting a woman in Russia than a woman hitting a man. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Russian women are kicking the shit out of the men. But it says here 40 women die. Sorry, a woman dies every 40 minutes from domestic abuse in Russia. So yeah, that that law would not work here. It wouldn't. Fucking New Year's Eve, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year. What the fuck are you looking at? Be- <laughs> ah, fuck. 365 fucking days now I have to fucking be good. <laughs> Uh, if we can't laugh at things, then we're fucked, as we spoke about in episode one. But I'm sure people will be like, he's he's trivialising it. I'm not trivialising it. I've already stated it's a fucking travesty. That is absolutely bonkers. This is only last year. I'm talking, let me check the date on this. 7th of February 2007. And there's a country where it is legal to hit a woman or hit your partner or your kids once a year. Fucking hell. Well done, modern world. Fucking hell, fair play to you. Fucking dickheads everywhere. So in the first podcast, I put a, a prank call at the end of the, at the end of the podcast. So uh, some of you like that. So I decided to do that again. So I'm going to put it in, but not at the end, as I've got something else planned for the end of the podcast. But I'm going to put it in now. Uh, this is a this is a prank call. I rang NASA and I uh, got through to a, a delightful woman. Uh, who took great joy in in the piss takery that was going on. Uh, A lot of people get annoyed or angry with them when I do prank calls because a lot of them are adversarial or combative, but this one was just a joy. Uh, She was was fantastic. So um, fair play to her, and I hope you enjoyed this prank call. Good morning, NASA Human Resources. This is Jennifer with WTE. How may I help you? Hello, who's... Jennifer? Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer. Sorry, Jennifer. I'll tell you, my name is Cyril. I'm calling about a job uh, application for NASA. Okay, have you already submitted an application? I have not, you see, Jennifer. This is the problem. Uh, They said that you need an internet connection to be able to apply online. I am in a position where I am not able to get online. But I assure you, I am one of the greatest men in all of Great Britain in terms of physical endeavour. I have been training. Well, it seems that the only way... To apply online. is online. What are we yes. to do about this, Jennifer? Um, I don't know. Right. That was not the solution to the problem I, know, I was expecting. Could you put a word in for me, so to speak? I, I don't think that's going to work. You know, call call the, the general or whoever the chap is in charge and just say, look, I have a guy here full of spit and gumption, ready to take the helm. He may not have well, internet connection, you know, but he's got a good old jolly old work ethic. Worth ethic. Worth ethic. Sorry, I hang on. That. Work ethic. That's- and that is what we like out here. I tell you, I am your man. They will be making Apollo 22 movies about me. <laughs> Fa- I wish we could get you on board, sir. I fail to see um, the humour in that last comment, but I will take the laugh nonetheless, <laughs> Jennifer. Tell me, how can, how can we put the wheels in motion, so to speak? I don't know. Is There's no way you can travel to a source of um, internet? Absolutely not. The closest place to me is Croydon, and Croydon is... If you saw it, Jennifer, you would probably just crawl into a hole and die. It is the most oh, horrendous place to be. It is the most horrendous place I've ever seen. Even even for the job of your dream? 
I, I don't think I'd make it out of Croydon alive, Jennifer. I'd be oh, quite honest dear. with you. Well, that's unfortunate. And I don't think I'd be much used yeah. to NASA if my shoe was rammed up my hole, you know, so to speak. Oh, goodness. Well, I, we don't want that. So what have we got to do, Jennifer? I, pip, pip, I, come on. I'm, I running, I'm running out of I, 20 pences here. I know. This phone call has to be very expensive. There's nothing that I can, I can do. I'll tell you what. I know you're probably, you've probably written some kind of confidentiality agreement, but if you could just give me 12 of the letters of the man I need to call and give me all of the numbers of his phone number, and I shall call whatever general it is that I need to speak to. <laughs> we'll have a game of hangman. <laughs> Jennifer? Jennifer? I yes, think I think sir. you're adding too much levity to this situation. I apologize. A bit of gravitas, so to speak, no pun intended. Funny. Thank you very much. Yes, well, it is one of my natural British charms, you know. I wish you could come here and work. I would love to. Well, see that you. is what I need, Jennifer. I need you to to go to whoever the man is and say this chap will make my working day an absolute blissful. I, uh, picture this, Jennifer. Picture this. Inter- picture this. We're up, however many miles above the atmosphere of the Earth. A, a spark plug in the doohickey goes off. And the three guys who are technically proficient have never seen such a problem before. There's no communications with Earth. What are we to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. A good bit of gumption and a bit of elbow grease and we'll have that doohickey fix in no time. Off to Earth we go. Ha-ha. Medal of Honor, Valor, Purple Heart. Come on. And who's to thank for all of this? Jennifer, because she put me through to the correct man. I love it. I love it. I wish we could fix the spark plug on the doohickey and go off. And all you have to do is connect that call, Jennifer. So what do you say, my darling? Well, how are you going to get us your resume? I'd, uh, resume? Please, resume is French for resume. I'm sure I could win them over just as I have your heart, Jennifer. You know what? I, I have, I have. yes, I'm very confident that that would happen. So connect that call, my darling. Sir, I cannot. God f- damn it. I know. I apologize for my language, Jennifer. That's fine. I will have, to bleep, fine, I will have to bleep that bit out when I put this on the radio yes. tomorrow morning. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. You're welcome. I've uh, I've no sense of smell. Which uh, here, my body's fucked, right? Uh, it's it's slowly but surely giving up on me. I think I've got gout. Okay, I'm starting to limp. I've got this thing that I've I've never. Okay, here's all the things that are wrong with my body since I was born. Okay, I can't bend my toes down. Oh, the thought of even bending toes freaks me out. I can't bend my toes down, so I couldn't like pick up a. Blah, I couldn't pick up a pen with my toes. Even thinking about it makes me sick. Uh, I can only lift my toes, but all at the same time. So if my foot is flat on the ground, I can just lift all my toes up as if they're fucking webbed, in one go and then back down to flat. But I couldn't bend them. I couldn't even put pressure on my toes when they're on the ground. So that's the first thing, which means that the tendons or whatever at the end of my foot are always tight, which means my calves are always tight. And I've got like, I don't know, really tight fucking tendony things. I went to CrossFit before and the guy was saying, you should get like a tennis ball or something and put pressure and roll your foot. But what that did was to pull my fucking big toe down. Oh God, my mouth water and everything. I'm getting nearly going sick. It pulled my big toe down and I'm, fuck it, I couldn't do it. So I had to stop. So there's that. Uh, I ripped my toenail off as well. Why am I even mentioning it? Wrestling a couple of years ago and it's still fucking wonky. It's fucking black and brown. And it's uh, it's a fucking weird shape. And it's only just after growing past the tip of the fucking toe. Right, cool. We're mo- oh, moving up, moving up. Um, I have no sense of smell. I was born with no sense of smell. And I, I didn't realise this until I was... Uh, until I was about 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so fucking slow. I always knew there was something wrong. And uh, whenever someone asked me to smell something, I would just say, smells tangy. And then everybody would go, yeah, 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 suppose, suppose it does smell a little bit tangy. So maybe tangy is like the, it's a, it's a, that would be an ecumenical matter in Father Ted. There was just, nobody knew really if it was wrong or right. It was like the emperor's new clothes. They all just went, yeah. So then I just got away for years saying, it's, things smell tangy. And then I was about 12 or 13. And someone said, oh, there's a lovely smell of flowers. And my mom said, it's a lovely smell of flowers. And I went, I can't fucking, I don't, I don't think I have a sense of smell. I can't, I have no sensation in my nose that, that you're saying there's a smell. And uh, went to the doctor and the doctor was like, yeah, you can't smell. I think one of my friend's dads was, a, he was an anesthesiologist or anesthetist. And he put like a smelling salt or something, one of these fucking little tiny glass bottles of shit under my nose. Um, and I couldn't smell it. 
Well, I passed out and I woke up later with a sore heart. <laughs> no, yeah, he gave me smelling salt or some fucking thing. And he was like, ah, you can smell. And he put it under my nose and I was like, nothing. And he was like, fuck it, you can't. So, and I've never got it fixed, you know. I was told to take fucking sprays and stuff. Maybe it's adenoids. Maybe I have to get my adenoids removed. But I don't really want to have a sense of smell at this stage because I think it would be sensory overload. I've, I've mentioned before how much my fucking brain works. I don't think I could add on an extra sense onto this. I think it would be the same for people who've been... Bl- like if someone was blind for 34 years and then all of a sudden you added sight, uh, I wonder how how overwhelming would it be? Obviously, you know, a sense of smell and a sense of sight are non- non-equatable. You know, their sight is far more important. But I just don't think my head would be able to fucking tolerate so much shit going on going into my face all the time and then if I fucking realise how bad smells are and stuff then I might not like certain foods and I, I'm, do you know what ignorance is bliss I'm quite happy to not have a sense of smell just give me a disabled sticker let me park right up the front of Tesco's I'd be fucking delighted with that you know I've never applied for one but I assume it's a disability if I'm missing a sense and I think if there's a gas leak in a shopping centre I should be able to get straight into my car without having to run across the car park that sounds fucking fair to me. I must, I must look into that. Oh, I'd love that. Uh, I wouldn't use it though. I wouldn't take a disabled spot from somebody who actually needs it. But it's just to be able to have the, just to be able to have the old sticker on it, so that I could then turn around to people who park in disabled spots who aren't meant to. I could then pull up all indignant and be like, "What are you doing in this spot?" And they were like, "Oh, it's not like anyone needs it." And then I'd be like, "Shitting, I need it." <laughs> Like, but there's nothing wrong with you. Like, I cannot smell. Uh, <laughs> so that's my sense of smell. So, like, I didn't, I, did, I don't even fully understand the concept of smelling. I thought up until, I would say, four and a half, five years ago, that only things that steamed or were warm smelled. Uh, my missus was taking, I was taking shopping out of the, out of the bag and, and putting away the groceries. And my wife went, I can smell the bananas. And I went, what? And she was like, I could smell the bananas straight away. I was like, how the fuck could you smell the bananas? It's like they're inside skin and they're fucking cold. She was like, yeah, you can smell fucking bananas. Everything smells. And I was like, I thought it has to be heated up or cooking or steaming. She was like, no, you fucking muppet. You can smell everything. Like, that's why I thought people could smell grass because it's been cut. So the friction of the thing might warmed it up or something or the... It was so small that it was in the air or something, but not a fucking banana in a, in a in an Aldi bag. Sorry, in a Marks and Spencer's bag. Um, so yeah, I've only I'm still only coming to terms. The fact that you, it's like licking things with your nose, I still don't fucking understand it. It's I suppose it's like trying to explain color to a blind guy. I just don't fucking get it. Oh, I just got a text from John Spillane. Uh, so sorry, Ross. Totally messed up and forgot all about tonight. Running around all day. Sincere apologies. I See, I knew there was a good reason. This is not my usual form. Would any time tomorrow or tomorrow night be of any good or Thursday? You see that now? John Spillane is a gentleman. And I knew there was a good reason for it. And I'm going to have to message him back now straight away because I don't want him to worry. Uh, do you know what? No, I'm going to leave him. I'm going to leave him worry. <laughs> I'll send him a message here in a minute. So I've no, no sense of smell. Okay, let's move on. What else is fucking wrong with me? Uh, I'll save the best to last. Um, I was not able to belch or burp until the age of 26, 27. So basically, uh, you know, I don't know if I was able to as a baby. I do not know. But I do know that I can never remember myself being able to belch. To, to the extent where uh, I farted so much as a kid. I remember we drove down to Kerry uh, for one kind of, you know, staycation with uh, a friend of my sister's came down with us. I think they were going to a prodigy gig and I farted the whole way down and they were literally hanging their heads out the opposite window the whole way. Um, I just, no gas came out of my mouth. It all just came out my hole. That's just, I don't know what it was, whatever it was. Maybe there was a little flap at the end of my esophagus flap, trap, whatever. Uh, No gas would come out my mouth. It just went straight to the hole. And then when I was in my 
early to mid-twenties, I would get really, really, really bad uh, gas pains in my stomach. If I ate my dinner quickly or if I ate mashed potatoes or certain foods, I would just get crippled. I mean, no, crippled with this gas pain. Uh, even if I didn't eat for a while, I'd get this really bad gas pain, really bloated, could never shake it. I'd have to pretty much do fucking yoga just to try and, like, I'd be rolling around, I'd be getting fucking, you know those mats for rolling your back? I used to get that and roll that on my stomach. I used to get my wife and my kids to fucking stand on it to try and get the gas out. And eventually, after I'd farted about 15 or 16 times, it would eventually subside. Uh and then we went on holidays with my best friend and Lorraine's best friend, who are also married. Um, we went on holidays and to Turkey and we were sitting down having dinner on the second night. And in the packed restaurant, I went, yeah, <laughs> just, just something came out and it, it wasn't a burp. I literally just went like a sheep. I just went, yeah. And they went, what the fuck is that? And I went, I don't know. It just came out. And then it kept happening. It was obviously some kind of body acclimation to the gas that was coming up. And I just started going, ah. And then it morphed into like an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing by the end of the holiday. So by like four or five days later, it was like, help, help, help. Oh, the mic's clipping, sorry. Help. It was like I was empty reaching. Help. And they were mortified, like everywhere we were out, every drink I had, every bit of food I had, uh, this thing was coming out. And they were like, Jesus fucking Christ. Everyone was looking over, you know, and uh, it was like Arnie with Tourette's. That's what it was like. And (laughs) And then I think it was after we got home, about a week later, one of these lows was coming. And a burp just came out. A burp just pushed its way out. And everyone stopped in the room. There was about four of us in the room. And everyone just stopped and looked at me and went, you just burped. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And then from then on, it just became more frequent. And uh, I, I still can't stop it. So if there's a burp coming, there is no way that I can, I can't even mask it by keeping my mouth closed. It just comes out full full whack. Uh, and I, I, sl- I get killed for it. My missus is like, this is worse than the fucking farting. At least you could fucking pull your arse cheeks apart and it would come out silently. <laughs> this is just... Uh, I, I can't force myself to burp, but, you know, when there's one coming, I kind of I just let it go. But I can't fucking hold them in. Uh, so that's that. We're still not even fucking close to the end here, guys, in terms of things that are wrong with my body. Uh, my buddy Hega would tell you, I've got a bent sternum, I've got a milk bottle fucking torso, all that crack, but that's just normal. Um, I think the only thing that's left... Aside from injuries and stuff that I have, but things that I was actually born with, I have. Uh, this is the main event. Uh, this is the marquee. This is the marquee act. If my body was a show, uh, this would be the Elton John of my body. <laughs> You've already heard Clear Clearwater River Revo- Revival, whatever the fuck they're called, Clearwater Revival. You've already heard, you know, fucking Billy Sprogs and the Junkettes or whatever fucking band. And this now is the Elton John of my body being fucked up. I have, and was born with, three holes in my penis. I'm just going to give you a moment to let that sink in. Let's move on. Three holes. So where we're, we're men normally would have a, a, a hole in their, uh, in their penis, I don't. I have three right beside each other. One, two, three. Uh, or on top of each other. One, two, three. Like a flute. Uh, and and it's, not, it's not where every other man's is. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. It's not like, you know, if, it, if, you, if you held out your fist now, right? And your arm, horizontal, like it's a penis. And the top of your fist. So like where your actual, the, the bit where you would punch somebody. That'd be like the top of your, of your willy. And normally there's like a, a slit. It doesn't even look like a hole. It's like, oh, I, I fucking... Other men's penises disgust me. Um, they're like a... Yeah, the Jap side thing is there. Well, I don't have that there. If you follow your finger down and around under the belly... Uh, think of the snake's chin. <laughs> I've got one, two, three there in a line vertically. That's where mine are. So that's the way I was born. Uh 
I was circumcised when I was a baby because they said he's going to piss all over his own dick for the rest of his life. <laughs> so I was circumcised and uh, they don't know what it, I don't know what it is. Like I went to the doctor once with a swollen ball, uh, like a urinary infection or something back in the dizzle, which I thought was chlamydia or gonorrhea or something. I was freaked out, freaked out, went and he went, you got nothing, you got nothing that's going to kill you. But he said, uh, what the fuck's up with your dick? <laughs> My doctor's amazed. What the, that was literally, what the fuck is up with your dick? And I went, yeah, it's fucking amazing, isn't it? And he went, I've seen two holes in a medical journal, but I've never seen three. And he told me the name. Hang on, let's, let's Google this. We might as well find out and do a bit of learning together. So what is it? Two holes in the penis. I think it's, is it bif- bifibricated? Instead of having a ure- urethral opening at the end of the penis, boys born with hyposp- hypo- hypospadias, that's me there now, hypospadias, have an opening on the underside of the shaft. The original hole is most often left as is since the urethra now bypasses it. This probably explains why your boyfriend's penis has two holes. Only one is functional. Oh. That's very sad on the other hole, isn't it? I always kind of hypothesise that one of the holes is the right one, but then I, I was given two extra by the baby Jesus uh, as a as a as a way to uh, as, as a gift or what scientists would call evolution. And um, I used to always think, what would the other two be? Do you know? I think the second one is an orange juice dispenser. I just haven't figured out how to work it yet. And I think the the other one is, um, I think it is like a little flute. Um, I think you could play a little tune on it so two holes right that's two holes is there a such thing as three because he said there's a name for two but no it's just two you see see I've got three. Oh, hang on a second three holes in the forehead of my penis I swear to god I don't know how to explain this but I have three holes adjacent to each other yeah right below my foreskin and forehead it's been there for like six years I don't know what to do about it. It's so weird. I've had to look at all my friends' penises. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about how I realised this as well. And none of them have this issue. They all look normal and it's pissing me off. It's so hard to explain. Let me draw a diagram. Excuse my bad drawing. Oh, come on. Please be the same as mine. Oh, no. This. Oh, no. Oh, dear Lord. This guy's are fucking weird. This is only a drawing he did on Microsoft Paint or something, right? But first of all, his balls are tiny. If he's drawing this to scale, at least get the fucking... Either his balls are tiny or his dick is like a fucking two-litre bottle of Coke, right? (laughs) (laughs) My God, from the last two podcasts, where has this gone? This this train is completely derailed. Okay, how can I explain this? Okay, so look in front of you. Stand your phone up on end, okay? That's the length of... That's the penis standing up, okay? And at the bottom, there's two balls that are way too small. And then up at the top, what he has are three holes, but they're running horizontally. No. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. If we put our two dicks together, it'd be a crucifix of holes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to pass. Oh, my God. I'm going to pass out. I got really dizzy. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That is weird. Mine at least goes with the flow. Like, that's fucking weird. Wow. Yeah, and nobody has answers. Everyone's just asking them questions. That's amazing. Uh, Somebody offered me money before to go to England to get a medical, uh, to be part of a medical study. And I was like, uh, yeah, of course you can. I thought someone was flirting with me. But um, there was a lot of male doctors wanted to look at it. I was like, no, thanks. So... I uh, didn't go with that. So how I found out was me and my buddy were over in Spain. My parents had a house in Spain for a while. We lived over there for a while. And myself and my buddy were sitting on the couch one day, about 2 p.m., just after having some toasted sandwiches. We used to make these fucking amazing toasted sandwiches. We used to be out at the pool. It was like one kind of communal pool for like, you know, 80 houses or 80 apartments or whatever. So we used to say to everyone, back in a while, lads, we're making some toasties. And... uh we used to throw everything in there. Jellies, Oreo biscuits, everything. Fucking fruit. Fruit and jellies, everything together. We used to make these different concoctions. They ruined the Breville toasted sandwich maker grill. 
but they were beautiful. So we just had them. We were sitting down on the on the couch, and uh, he, being uh, uh, you know a nineteen year old dude or eighteen year old dude, whipped out his Mickey and just went, "Hey, hey look at this!" <laughs> As you do, and uh, it was obviously just me and him in the house. Hey, and I went, "What the fuck is wrong with your dick, man?" <laughs> and he was like, "What do you mean, what's wrong with my dick? It's not wrong with my dick." I was like, "Dude, your dick is fucked up." <laughs> He was like, it's not. I was like, man, you're meant to have two holes in your dick. And he was like, no, you're fucking not. I was like, dude, I've got one extra hole in my dick. You're meant to have two, one for piss and one for sperm. I was like, you've got, you've got only one dick. You've got only one hole. And he started to go, no, man, you're only meant to have one. I was like, you're meant to have two, man. I've got one extra. And he was like, show me yours. So I showed him mine. He was like, what the fuck is up with your dick? <laughs> so the two of us. I'm sitting on my couch in my parents' house, looking incredulously at each other's dicks, fucking trying to figure out which one of us is more fucked up. And uh, the argument continued for, like, the entire day until we went out that night and we met up with all the people that we kind of knew in the bar. And he went straight up to the... Uh, nobody could pronounce his name because his name is Donal. Uh, so everyone used to call him, like, Dornal and everything. So they ended up just calling him Irish. So... um he went up to the English lads that knew us and he was like, lads, can I ask you a question? <laughs> they were all like, yeah. And he went, um, how many holes are you meant to have in your dick? He, we really weren't doing much for the, the Irish stereotype of being thick. Because <laughs> they must have had, a, they had a pretty archaic uh, impression of Irish people over there in that particular community of English people. A lot of them did. Some of them were fucking sound, but a lot of them thought, oh, thick paddies. And on that night, we did nothing for because he went in and asked a group of lads how many holes you meant to have in your dick. And the lads said one. And he was like, yeah, fuck it. Cool. And they were like, look at this. So they, they Hegel walked me, Donald, Donald walked me into the, uh, into the men's toilet and called the group of lads in. And they all went in and were like, what the fuck? So we ended up charging everybody a euro <laughs> to come into the toilet and have a viewing. Um... I think we made a fucking 40 quid or 60 quid or something like that that night. So, yeah, that was it. Um, but I think it's beautiful. I have, you know, I've known no different. And I think other, I think other Mickeys look very, very um, unkept. Do you know? And I think mine is a, a shining example of what a penis could be if it made an effort. So, there you go. So, that's my body. Twenty. It took 29 minutes for me to tell you all the things that are wrong with my body. Uh, and that's, that's stuff that I hasn't even started to deteriorate. And that's just the stuff that's wrong with me now. You know? I definitely deserve some kind of fucking parking sticker for all that shit accumulatively. Um, I'm sure if I took all the medical names and put them all together with little hyphens next to them, they'd be like, whatever that thing is, that guy's got to get, got to get something. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, uh, I did a gig in Wexford, in the Wexford Arts Centre during the uh, last Saturday night, which was grey crack. Uh, really, really nice audience there. Really receptive, really warm. Lovely little art centre. Beautiful. And myself and Mike Morgan were there. Uh, Mike's my support act and a uh, great comedian. He uh, he supported me in The Everyman in uh, both times. Uh, February of last year and... Uh, or April of last year and February of this year. And... Uh, He's a killer. He's brilliant. And, you know, good good spin up the road, listening to all sorts from, from gangster rap to Nina Simone and uh, a lot of Motown and stuff like that. So we had good old, good old fucking crack. He bought a child's painting, uh, an, 11, an eight-year-old's child's painting of a guitar from the little gallery inside there for 15 quid. So some child actually made an art sale, which was very nice. And Mike says he's going to hang it up on his wall. It looks like a penis upside down. I will say that. When you turn the guitar upside down, it just looks like a, a cock and balls hanging. This is a very phallic episode. I feel like there's way too much penis talk. I do apologise to anybody who has had it up to their up to their eyes and penis, uh, whatever you were doing during the day. Uh, but uh, that's just that's just some of the things that I was uh, that I was that were on my I penis on my mind. That's what it is. Um, I'll be heading away to LA soon. Uh, I'm going over on the 20th, I think, with two really talented people. I'm heading over with uh, with Dylan Owens 
who is the owner of uh, and creator of Upriser, which is a, an amazing website and new service uh, where they're connecting creators and industry people together, uh, acting as almost like a, a middleman kind of agency as such, but not an agency. It's more member to member. It's, 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 uh, it's really innovative in the way that they're doing it. And I'm um, heading over with them to have a few meetings with a few people. Uh, I think I'm hosting a few podcasts for them with some industry professionals and uh, doing a few gigs, which I'm really looking forward to doing some gigs in LA. And also we're going to be filming something, uh, a little bit of a pilot. So uh, mum's the word on that one at the moment, but it's something, it's, it's, uh, it's my own thing, which is great. I can't, absolutely can't wait. A character that I've been sitting on for years. Uh, I pitched the character uh, to the producers of The Fear back in series two. And uh, it was rejected for the simple reason that there was already a character on the show that was of the same, what would you say? Socially, it was it was in the same fucking wheelhouse. You know what I mean? So characters were completely different, but they were still kind of under the same umbrella of, you know, genre of society. So we thought it'd be a bit heavy if we did two characters that were kind of uh, on that same ilk. So I sat on the character for years. Uh, it was a character that I went, fuck it, I'd nearly sell this to somebody else because... Uh, you know, I'd hate for it to just sit in a shelf for years and I'm fucking delighted I didn't because now I finally get to pull him out. Uh, he's uh, outlandish and insane, but also uh, it's really, really grounded in terms of we've, trying to set, we've tried to set him in such a reality where, you know, you, you'd believe him uh, up until a certain point. So I really can't wait to do that. Uh, Derek Dillon is the other guy that's coming over. So there's three of us heading over together. Derek was the director of all of the series of The Fear. Uh, he's one of the most naturally funny people I've ever met in my life. Uh, he's absolutely fucking hysterical. Uh, the shit that, that... He's just got a comedy head. He's got a comedy brain. And the three of us are going to be going over there and uh, shooting the shit out of it. We're going to be having the crack and trying to uh, burn the candle at both ends in terms of all the things that we're going to try and get done. And uh, I'd say there might be a few pints had. We'll see. Uh, so heading over for, I think, like between seven and ten days. So... Uh, might try and get something done over there actually podcast wise although I, do, I just love the studio I love being in this lovely studio with no ambient noise um, and to be able to just have this lovely at least the podcast if it's a pile of shit sounds nice in terms of the warmth of the processed voice and all that kind of stuff um, so I am I am very fortunate to be in a, a luxurious studio where everything is already set up so that you can just hit record and fucking not worry about anything else, compression or any of that shit. Uh, it's brilliant. So looking forward to going over to LA. Um, uh, really, yeah, we went, we, the lads came down yesterday from Dublin and we had a writing session from oh, 11am to 11pm. Uh, we're at it all day and uh, really, really pleased with what we came out with. We were fucking sitting in a hotel, restaurant, bar and... Uh, Broke our shit laughing for 12 hours while people around us thought we were fucking losing the plot, which we were. And uh, so, yeah, so a lot of hard work to do in, in the build up to that. But uh, fucking bring it on 24 seven. Um, yeah. And I heard a rumor about myself last night, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, a positive one. I didn't murder anyone. Um, but uh, someone came up to me. He's like, I heard whispers about. And I was like, fucking first I've heard about it. So, um I'm dying to find what that is. Uh, I won't jinx it by saying anything, but yeah, uh, watch the space, I suppose. If it all turns out to be bullshit, I'll, I'll gladly tell you what it is and uh, you can all laugh at my my naivety. <laughs> okay, uh, if you have any questions as well, by the way, everybody, um, by the way, if anybody has any questions that they would like to ask or things that they would like me to talk about, uh, feel free to contact me on Facebook. Uh, feel free to contact me on Twitter. Or even leave a comment under any of the podcasts and I will see them on SoundCloud or even if you want to leave a review on iTunes and put a put a question in there. Fuck it, I'll see it. I'll read them all. Um, or anything you'd just like me to cover because, you know, I would like to service the listeners. Uh, so to all those of you in the United States of America, in Canada, in Great Britain, in Ireland, in Sri Lanka and Georgia and Italy and France and fucking everywhere else that's listening... Um, I hope I haven't left any. There's a good, there's a good few there I've left out. But uh, Australia, New Zealand, you know who you are. So uh, thanks very much for listening, and uh, I appreciate every single one of you to the core of my being. Oh.
I want to get loads of people on the show. I want to get a psychic on. Uh, as I said, I've got an ex-Scientologist coming on on Friday. So that episode should be out kind of by Saturday. Um, and I want to get psychic on because I want to I want to challenge and talk to a psychic. I, you know, I think everybody, whenever they come on, they come on in very controlled settings and they're like, oh, I'll only speak about this and this and this and don't ask me any to do any live readings, whatever. I want to get to the bottom because I'm a skeptic and I'd be a skeptic of a lot of things. I'd be a skeptic of religion. I'd be a skeptic of, you know, science and, and a lot of things. Uh, sorry, <laughs> science, sorry, psychics and a lot of other things like that. And I would like flat earthers. I've reached out to the Flat Earth Society of Cork and they got back on to me and said, we've looked at all your stuff online and it appears you're going to be taking the piss out of us. And I said, this podcast isn't that. This is something else. It's a departure from me just ripping the piss out of people. I said, this is me looking to have interesting discussions with people. There will be episodes where I'm talking about my Mickey for a half an hour, but then there's going to be good, interesting discussions. So I sent them on one of the episodes so they could see the tone of it. But I, I do hope they come on because uh, it's very easy to discredit them and just, you know, it's very easy to try and discredit them and say, ah, it's a load of bollocks, flat earth, that's fucking mental. But let's have a discussion about it. Let's sit down and hear their points and 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 rebut them and see what happens. Um, but yeah, there's loads of people. Obviously, there's a load of names that I would love to get on this, this podcast. And hopefully uh, we can start ticking some of them off. Because I really, I really would like to speak at length with all of those people and to kind of start digging around the place and, and, and seeing, uh, seeing what discussions come up. Uh, so here's the thing, right? I have written a book, uh, a novel called Diary of a Vagrant. Uh, and it's a book about a homeless guy living in San Francisco. And it's all the scribblings that he's written on random scraps of paper and the insides of cigarette boxes. And uh, I love the book. And I was going to do a podcast called Diary of a Vagrant where I read out excerpts from the book or I read out the entire book episodically uh, in sequence so that it's basically an audio book chopped up to, into loads of, loads of episodes. And then uh, Blind Boy started his podcast, which is phenomenal. I'm always over-conscious of stuff like this. So I rang Blind Boy and he said, fuck it, man, I didn't invent the audio book. So <laughs> he was like, do what you fucking want. He said, have at it. Um, and uh, very kind of him. And... Uh, and he thanked me for for ringing him and asking him even just having the the you know the courtesy to do that, but uh, he's a gent and he's a lovely man and you should all listen to if any of you aren't listening to Blind Boys podcast you should definitely listen to it from the very beginning because it is outstanding, um, it really really is good I can't recommend it enough, it's brilliant so uh, so that's what we're doing so we're going to fucking do it uh, it's called Diary of a Vagrant and uh, do you know what I think we're going to fucking lash straight into it now there's been too much penis talk. And I think it's time for uh, for me to tell you about the the uh, to start reading the book. Um, by the way, uh, you can subscribe if you'd like to to this podcast. Uh, I'm really happy with all the people that are listening. Loads of different countries, loads of different cities. I love looking at who's listening and where, and how many people in each town and state and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so when you subscribe, if you could please on iTunes particularly leave uh, a favorable review and a nice review. Um, because it, it makes it more visible to everybody else, and it just helps with the with the um, with the awareness of the podcast. This is only episode four, uh, and I, I would love to do uh, crazy, crazy, crazy things with this podcast. And I would love to get you know um, as many people as are on that wish list on. And I think that would be more achievable with everybody's help. Um, also, as well, check out my Facebook at only Ross Brown or my Twitter, at only Ross Brown, or my Instagram, Ross Brown Official, and uh, recommend this to a friend, tell someone you think that might that might like it, and uh, each episode is going to be different. I hope that the people that love a good Mickey uh, were, were placated by this one, and that uh, we satisfied an, an itch, we scratched an itch fee. So I'm going to leave you going now, but keep listening, and you will hear the first excerpt from my novel, Diary of a Vagrant. The Indignity If you are reading this, then I am dead. I don't know who you are, and you may not know who I am. My name is... Well, I don't know my name. It seems a strange thing to say, I have no name. I'm sure I have a name, or at least had one. If I don't know it, and neither does anyone else, then I suppose it doesn't exist doesn't belong to me anymore. 
It's as much mine, or not mine, as any other name. I could choose a name if I wanted one. John or Michael. Those are both embarrassingly unimaginative choices, considering that any name in this vast world is potentially as much mine as the next. Samir. That'd confuse them. Or Marion. Archibald Cantillion. Now that is a name. That would garner me some respect. That would make people stand up and take notice. Turn heads in my direction instead of away. Who's that man over there? They'd ask. Why that's Archibald Cantillion, they'd say, with reverence and a prickle of envy. Although, it could be a curse. A sequestration from anonymity that could ultimately prove as my downfall. After all, the anonymous man never had a bullet with his name on it. A wordless game of hangman never met its demise. Yes, I shall remain nameless for the time being. Pending my reconsideration, I shall keep the name Archibald Cantillion tucked away someplace safe. I'll write it on a slip of paper and keep it in my sock. Nobody ever goes near my socks. Hell, I haven't ventured below my own knees more than half a dozen times since last winter. This year's chill is nearing and the fallen leaves that litter the streets will dry out and crack, turn to dust and hitchhike on a gust. Out of this place. I find myself in a far less fortunate position to the leaves too heavy to catch a passing wind and not quite dust yet. A nameless man in a faceless place. A homeless man with a hopeless face. I used to write poems, I think, years ago. Or maybe there were songs. No, it was definitely poetry. I remember the rhyming scheme. A-A-B-B-A. Yes, that's it. Limericks. Dirty, filthy limericks that would curdle ladies' ears and corrupt children by the busload. Oh, how I would roar with laughter as I wrote each of them down and read them aloud to myself. A unanimous hit, every one of them. I haven't penned one of them since. I haven't written a limerick since. Archibald Cantillion. I must put that name somewhere safe. Here come the fucking police again. They took my pen, the bastards. They tried to get my paper too, but I managed to stuff a handful of the scraps down the front of my pants before they got my second hand up behind my back. They suspected I was attempting to conceal drugs. Of course, I never told them that I wasn't. I knew that they'd snap those condom-like gloves over their fat little fingers and reach down past my belt. They'd brush past my forgotten manhood and I'd flex it just to see them squirm. They'd be torn between searching and avoiding until they felt what they were searching for, pull it out and hold it aloft, proudly, victorious, until they saw it. What they plunged their hands into the abyss for. They would expect a bag of cocaine or that crystal stuff. What they would find instead would be a different type of drug. My drug, alliteration, synonyms, preposition and the composition of prose in the cataloguing of my perspectives. I'd snarl and cackle and point at them most defiantly and they would feel foolish. Unfortunately, that wasn't exactly how it transpired. They didn't reach into my pants. Rather, they pulled them down in full view of the prying eyes of their colleagues and the never-blinking security cameras. My stash of literary concertos fluttered to the floor in front of me, like dying moths. I was evicted at daybreak, just before the mandatory breakfast, my stomach protesting and I taking stock of my slips of paper. If one piece of paper is missing, I swear I'll... All present and accounted for. They're lucky. It's a long walk back from the hog parlour and they don't do return journeys. They brought me to Central, which is over four miles from where I ought to be. But I'm glad of the walk. 
four miles of post-dawn pre-commerce perambulation. I have come to only need three things from a place to sleep. That it is dry, that the wind doesn't slip its hand under my clothes while I sleep, and that I can sleep without somebody trying to steal my stuff. I don't have a lot of stuff, which makes it all the more valuable to me. When you get down to the minimal amounts of personal possessions in life, an old toothbrush on a piece of string carries the value of gold. Men have been known to put knives in each other's guts for as little as a pack of cigarettes or a good pair of holeless shoes. At present, I have a spot at San Bruno Avenue. All my personal effects that I would prefer not to carry around with me, I stash inside a hollowed-out section of column under the 101 overpass. I have a one-man tent with some flattened cardboard boxes that I use to broker a deal every night between my body and the concrete. It also helps with wet ground when it rains. I have a blanket that must have been made for the aristocracy, made from a mysterious plush material that is as soft as a dream of clouds. No tags attached to it, no place of origin, no dry cleaning label kept immaculate. It expels the cold like a doorman would expel a hands-on drunk from Centrefold's strip bar on Broadway. I often wonder if Centrefold's got its name after the Centrefold pin-up, or because all their dancers have post-baby stretch marks that equator their midriff. I also wonder how many of the girls that work there tell their parents that they are Broadway dancers. Fucking typical. I'm going to have to relocate. During the day I've had to stash all my stuff when nobody was looking, but I knew it was only a matter of time before they found it. I lean an old tyre against the hollow to conceal my stash. I just got back from the walk of shame from my one-night stand at Central Police Station and upon my arrival I find some emaciated, tawny-toothed asshole standing by the tyre. He was a sneaky little fucker too. Had himself dressed in a costume in an attempt to conceal his thievery. An obvious cliched ensemble. Dressed all in black with a white collar and a Bible in his hand. No doubt stolen. I charged at him, scaring him off. Luckily he hadn't moved the tyre. He scurried off into the church across the street and didn't come out for the whole day. He must have been casing my stuff for a while now because he'd been going into the church every day for the two months I'd been there. Like I said, sneaky fucker. It's been raining heavily recently so I need to find somewhere that will provide adequate shelter for my flimsy, patched-up tent. <laughs>